Headline Hollywood. Entertainment cronies and cinema elitists hand out awards for excellence in moving pictures. Sometimes the winners don't hold up to the test of time. So we're here in the future to tell them how they got it wrong. This is Switch the Envelope. Welcome to Switch the Envelope, the podcast that aims at rewriting Hollywood award history. My name is Corey. I'm Jeff. How you doing tonight, Jeff? Damn it, mad at Corey. Just put us <laughs> in a bad mood by some political conversation. And we were talking about uh, off, off air just before we went on uh, the things we're binging right now. And I, I happened to just finish a, a political miniseries that uh, got us into a a serious conversation <laughs> yeah and it's cool i'm i've been watching narcos so yeah. so you know so now let's do the yuck yucks yes yeah, so now <laughs> let's get funny let's bring the funny man yeah um let's let's just yeah let's let's shake off the fact that our whole fucking country is fucked and uh just get, hey, in, get no into politics. get into a time that was simpler <laughs> where the country was also fucked we won't talk about the country. We'll talk about the movies that were made at All the right. time of 1986. It's the best picture category. If you uh, want to catch up on all things 1986, go back and listen to part one of this episode in which we had special guest Nikki O on from the soon-to-be Riff Laugh Media podcast, Sex with Candy. So keep your ears peeled for that. All right, so let's get back to our our Academy Award films from 1986. 1986. So we are going to run down those films and let you know what those films are. Corey, you want to start us off? All right, our nominees and alternates are Out of Africa, The Color Purple, Kiss of the Spider Woman, Pritzi's Honor, Witness. And then we added a couple of films as alternates to the Academy Awards because we don't feel that the one that won out of Africa nope. should have won. These are two of the best films made in 1985, by the way. Yeah, so I'm going to let have Corey have uh, this one since it was both of our favorite film of all time. Thank you, Jeff. This is Back to the Future. Okay, we added Back to the Future because that came out in 1985. And also we're adding Breakfast Club. <sighs> two great films. Two great films, definitely. I actually, I honestly do feel that Breakfast Club, the acting in that film is fantastic. I, the, the Breakfast Club uh, as a whole really should have been on this list. If the, I honestly, these movies probably would have been added if they had the expanded ten uh, slots for for best picture. Um, though I'm not sure why Pritzi's Honor is on this list. Although I will say I don't think for acting, Back to the Future would have been put on there. No, no, no. Well, it was nominated for a few Oscars uh, in its own right. Um, I think that time has shown what a classic movie it is. Yes, uh, but we also might not be even biased. time will tell. It was the number one selling movie that year. It was yes, it was incredibly popular. Yeah, exactly. Uh, I will say that honorable honorable mention, uh, Fletch, <laughs> Fletch with Chevy Chase, and I'll tell you why. It's a pretty great comic masterpiece for not having uh, any uh, direction. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> it is it is Chevy Chase at his best, even though according to Lindsey Brooks, our guest from a couple ba- couple of weeks back, he is a trash human. <laughs> yeah. Um, so honorable mention to Fletch. Moving on. All right. Uh, so let's go ahead and uh, and take you through uh, each of these movies, and we'll we'll come to the conclusion which movie reigned supreme in 1986. Okay, let's start with our metric. With out oh, of hold on, should we explain the metric? We forgot to explain the. Metric. Oh, we forgot to share. Fuck. 
Okay, Corey, take us take us through the metric. All right, let's see let's see if I can actually get through this. I'm historically bad at, at taking us through this metric. All okay. Right. Every movie uh, that we have on the podcast is rated on a five finger metric. It scientifically. Scientific. Yes. Each finger represents uh, a half a point given by Jeff or myself uh, to create a whole finger in each of the five categories. Those five categories are whether or not the movie is timeless, whether it is compelling. Does it have a wonderful cast? Does it hold up to multiple viewings? And would you recommend this film? There you go. Beautiful. And we give every movie this exact same metric, whether it is Driving Miss Daisy or whether it is Fletch. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it doesn't matter. There, there's some key key pieces of this metric that really uh, level the playing field. You know, would you watch it again? Is it something that you got to have other people see? Those are more popcorny. But they also speak towards whether or not a movie is is classic and holds up to the test of time to where you're like 15, 20 years, 30 years later, if you still need people to see this movie that haven't, that's significant uh, in the, in what that movie was or is as a piece of art, right? Have you ever looked at the Rotten Tomatoes uh, tomato meter? Is that what it's called? Tomato meter? A tomatomer? Tomatomer? I don't know what they're saying. <laughs> but- uh, and you've seen this, seen a movie, and you go, "Wow, that movie was total shit." And then you look at Rotten Tomatoes, and it's like ninety eight percent. And you go, "What's wrong with this picture?" Well, that's what our metric helps with, because Corey and I are not just the critics' critic. We love all movies, bad movies, good movies, the movies that you know you love, even though you don't want anybody to know you love them. That's where our metric comes in. But then also as a viewer. Do you care? Exactly. You know, that's that's where we're that's where we're coming from, and we know it's imperfect. And uh, if you disagree with uh, our assessment, or you feel like this is too incomplete because it's only five, it's a very small sample size <laughs> to to rate this. Then uh, one, go fuck yourself. Two, um, you can hit us up on Twitter at switch envelope or uh, Instagram <laughs> at switch the envelope and tell us as such. But you know what? Go get your own show. <laughs> All right. Should we start with our our winner? Let's start with uh, the winner of the Academy Awards, is what you mean. Yes, the the one that took home gold in 1986. Yes, I don't think they call it. I think that's the the uh, the Olympics. They don't really take home gold. They, no, they took uh, home take Oscar, home the Oscar gold. Yeah, Oscar okay. gold. Oscar gold. There we go. It, it still applies. Those little statues okay. are gold. Okay. All right. Are they? Yeah. Yeah. It's okay. um, Robert Redford and um, Shania Twain. No. Um, L- Goldie Hawn. No, not Goldie Hawn. Meryl Streep. Meryl Streep. I don't know why I blinked on her name. Probably Meryl because Streep with syphilis. She has syphilis and an accent. Okay. She's Dutch and in this she, movie. She once owned a farm in Africa. She says that like 80 times at the beginning of this film. I thought that there was something wrong with it's my rental. It's because the movie's called <laughs> It's Out of Raff. Wait, you uh, rental? Yeah, I rented this movie. Oh, like through like streamed. I thought you meant you like went to a like a rental place. No, I didn't like go a to a blockbuster. Video. I didn't go to a blockbuster. I thought no. maybe this was 1986. <laughs> oh, wish it were, Jeff. I would have gone to a blockbuster directly and been like, "Give me the Oscar winner." I don't think I had a blockbuster card back then. I think I had a warehouse card. Uh, you know what? We were warehouse, and then we were blockbuster for a little while when the warehouse went out of business, and then they opened up a Hollywood Video, and we were like. Fuck, I forgot about I forgot about Hollywood video. We're Hollywood videoing it. I forgot about that one. Yeah. All right. So, out of Africa, what score did we give out of Africa, Jeff? Out of Africa got a one and a half fingers. Mm, yes, it's very eyes wide shutty. 
Though, uh, as a caveat to the poor score that we gave it, uh, a better film than this score deserves. It's not as bad as Eyes Wide Shut. Oh, Eyes Wide Shut only got one. Yeah, only got but, one finger. Um, we gave it the finger. You know, it's 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 a better film than one and a half. It, the problem is with our metric, really. Whoa. I'm just saying. It is not with our metric. It is with yeah, this movie. This is one of those those films where it doesn't mark enough to get full points on our metric. Here's, here's so the problem. So the score feels abnormally low, but... As it pertains to the uh, movies that are on this list that we're comparing well, let's it go to, through it. Look, completely valid. Real quick, real quick. We did not give it any points for what three areas? Well, neither of us would recommend this film. We wouldn't recommend this film because no. it's boring as fuck. It's really boring. What else would we not do? Uh, we would never watch it again. No, yeah, because it's boring as fuck. Because it's boring. Uh, and it's not a really good representation of like the the good work of those heavy hitting actors that are in it. Yeah, you know, like wow, there's so much more to their careers that you could point to that you would want to watch over and over and over again. Uh, this is not one of those films. It sort of falls through the cracks, is all I'm saying. Now we did give it. Oh, and, um, oh, wait, hold up. We also said that it wasn't very compelling. Because it wasn't it was very compelling. Boring. Well, actually, I think I I said it was compelling. We, you did not. We were we were teetering. Ultimately, both of us said not compelling. That's there, where half finger came from. There's no no no. We both scored it as not compelling. Oh, okay. Um, there are parts of this movie where you're like you perk up, and she's got the syphilis, and she's battling with that. And you perk like, up of syphilis? No, but I'm saying like there's some drama right in the middle. What kind of crazy no, sicko no, no. are I'm you? Saying that you that, perk up no, as an STD? No, she Disgusting. she like leaves the farm and she goes on a hunt. Uh, and she brings supplies to her husband, and they they have sex, and then he gives her syphilis, and she's got to deal with all that stuff. Like, there's this moment in the middle of them where you're like, "Oh, we're telling a story," and then they abandon it. Well, it just uh, we did give it a point for being well cast. It is there's it's there's, a Robert Redford film, and Meryl Streep. Meryl Streep. <laughs> I don't know why I keep wanting to call her Helen Hunt right now. My brain keeps going, and Helen Hunt. Nope. No, Corey, not Helen Hunt. <laughs> last episode, we, last episode we called her. Uh, who was in Pritzi's honor? Oh, um, fucking Kathleen Turner. Kathleen Turner. Last, last yeah. episode we called her Kathleen Turner. She's not Kathleen Turner either. <laughs> uh, overall, this movie was not very enjoyable. It was so like it didn't ever quite. If you fall want into its more of a farm struggling movie, you should um, definitely watch Summersby with. Uh, uh, Jodie Foster and <laughs> Richard okay. Gere, where they try and grow tobacco after the Union Army has come through the South and burned all the cotton, and they have mm. to find a way to um, live as plantation owners again. And they find out that um, the guy from Pretty Woman is actually Robert not Robert Richard. Gere. No, nope, Robert Rich- Redford. Richard, Richard Gere. Gere. That Richard Gere is really not it. Summersby. Oh. That he's actually some other dude. I'm already infinitely more interested in this twist. <laughs> See? And that Summersby died in civil in the Civil War. And he took over his identity. He took over his identity. But mm. Jodie Foster loves fucking Richard Gere. Sure. So she doesn't want to give him up. Sure. Yeah. That's There's drama there. See? There's some storytelling you know there. No syphilis. No syphilis. And that's really a key key component here. Yeah. No syphilis. <laughs> Let's move on to the next film, which is infinitely better. The Color Purple. The Color Purple. Mm. So we gave Out of Africa one and a half fingers. The Color Purple 
Corey, what do we give Color Purple? We gave the Color Purple four and a half fingers. Four and a half out of five, which it absolutely deserved. It is a great film. There was only one area where we felt that this film uh, lacked a little bit. You know, it, it's it's funny. This is becoming a common thread with uh, these Steven Spielberg historical epics. <laughs> <laughs> he tells... Um, not just Steven Spielberg, just heavy well, no, no, films. Yeah, yeah. Heavy, heavy films. He, but we gave a similar scoring in this regard to like Schindler's List and and you know some other of his films because there's such a, a heavy uh, theme that you're gonna have to be in the right sort of headspace to like just throw this movie on. This isn't one where you heat up a bunch of popcorn, hang out on the couch, and just like get in the mood for a movie. You know, like you kind of you kind of have to be ready for a movie like this. Yeah, so in the multiple viewings category, we gave it a half a point because um, even though you can watch this movie again, it just isn't one of those movies that you can just be ready to just throw it on and go, hey, let's go, everybody ready to just watch yeah. Color Purple? Come on over, we're watching the <laughs> Color Purple. People might be like, oh, that's kind of a bummer. That's, that's, that's a downer. Even mm. though it's a, such a great film to watch and it's so powerful, Um this this movie sparks so much emotion that it is tough to watch multiple times. Well, the the themes in it are 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 you know they they wear on you the the sort of incest and rape and uh, the the toxic masculinity of the times where he just drove the will. Danny out Glover's of, character, yeah, Danny Glover just drives the will out of uh, Whoopi Goldberg. You know, like just wears her down to a nub of a human being. Uh, it's hard. It's really hard to watch because they. They, um, their their acting and their portrayals are so sort of genuine and powerful, um, that it, it does it makes it hard to watch in certain certain aspects. I mean, he sells off his daughter to to the fucking highest bidder kind of a thing. It's so weird. Yeah, it's, de- it's difficult to watch. Wanna, but he doesn't want to give away his prettier daughter because he feels like she's worth more. Fuck you, man. Like it's yeah. There's there's hard hard moments about these types of stories that make it hard to watch multiple viewings like on a whim. Despite yeah. the fact that it is a fantastic movie, it's powerful. It's really, really well acted. Um, Compelling. Uh, One of the most powerful scenes in this movie is when Whoopi Goldberg is shaving Danny Glover. Oh, that like, is a towards the end scary scene. It, it, Spielberg really does a nice job where he has, um, uh, like, her friend who's running from the city <laughs> to the farm because she knows, oh fuck, like I've just given her the keys to murder this motherfucker, and yeah. today is shaving day. And she is running to try to get her to do to not do something that she's going to regret for the rest of her life, and saves her. You know, is is her salvation at that at that moment in getting her to not kill the asshole who's kept her under his thumb the entire movie. It's it's really powerful filmmaking for sure. Okay, so um, color purple, four and a half fingers, yep. and uh, very high score, very good. Um, next we're going to move on to Kiss of the Spider Woman. If you haven't heard of this film, it's okay. <laughs> Nobody uh, has. Most people haven't. <laughs> it was a indie film back in the 80s, yeah. and it's still an indie film now because nobody's ever fucking heard of this film. Yeah. So, uh, we're, we're, Corey. <laughs> we were split on this, on this movie, so much so that it got exactly half uh, a score, two and a half fingers uh, on our metric. Um, we weren't exactly split on all of the categories, but uh, I rather enjoyed this movie uh it's it's a quirky indie film it's a really small story told epically uh through the uh, storytelling device where um 
our narrator, who we're not sure if we can trust, I always love a uh, untrustworthy narrator. Um, That's what I look for in film. Is is recanting to his cellmate in a South American uh, prison uh, a movie that he once watched, and that storyline parallels our main storyline, and it 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 worked for me. Not but, for me. I thought this movie was incredibly boring, but um, it's okay. <laughs> let's let's just go ahead and run through each of the fingers on on this one. The way that this story is told for me was very timeless. Jeff felt it was dated. Very dated. The next one is compelling. I did not think it was compelling. Yeah, you weren't you weren't sold on uh... because I think that the idea of a movie about somebody telling you a story about a movie from inside of a jail cell is incredibly boring. <laughs> I can see your point. Yeah, the you know, the, William Hurt, <coughs> William Hurt, William, William Hurt. Hurt, William Hurt, not Hurt, Hurt. Um, I had like a th- like my I got th- you. my I got throat you. abandoned me for a second there. You had a herd of stuff in your yeah. throat. <clears> throat. Uh, William Hurt, um, almost single handedly makes this compelling for me because of his performance. That kind of speaks more towards our next one being well cast. So we both agreed that William Hurt, Raul Julia. Um, did a fantastic job uh, portraying these characters. It just wasn't necessarily enough for Jeff to call it compelling, I guess. No. Right? Um, so both of us gave a full finger for that one. Uh, what do we got next, Jeff? Multiple viewings. And mm-hmm. both Corey and I felt that multiple viewings uh, lacked for <laughs> this film. Yeah. This is a movie that you see once and you go, oh, yeah, I saw that movie. Yeah. And you don't really need to revisit it. Exactly. Um, there's not enough of a sort of like bombshell that gets dropped in this movie where you're like, oh, fuck, that really turned the corner into great film. It's it's sort of sleepy and interesting, but yeah, I, I didn't need to see it again. Yeah, which makes me wonder why you answered yes to the next one, which is would you recommend this one? Because I would think that number uh, or the our, our fourth finger and our fifth finger kind of coincide. Not necessarily. Okay, well, I gave it no for what I recommend this film. I would not, so anybody listening to this, I don't recommend this film, you know what I'm saying? Um, it was it was interesting enough that I would recommend it. It was a very, like, film school recommendation. Uh-huh. <laughs> you know, like, uh, I would not be, like, gobsmacked if somebody had not seen <laughs> Kiss of the Spider-Woman, because nobody has seen Kiss of the Spider-Woman. Um, but I would definitely say that it, it put it on your viewing list if you're interested in sort of interesting... Um, storytelling in cinema for sure and that, that's what landed it two and a half fingers yeah alright yeah. alright All right. moving on respectable two and a half fingers that's like a driving Miss Daisy kind of a thing yeah it was one one finger short of driving Miss Daisy but uh, oh yeah was, driving Miss Daisy was three and a half yeah yeah um, moving on to another film that split us again in the, the opposite way. In the opposite way yeah. was uh, Pritzy's Honor. Pritzy's Honor. Now, if you've uh, seen Mr. and Mrs. Smith, it is a similar... <laughs> D- disregard. Similar <laughs> vibe, but disregard because this came way before. Mm-hmm. And you could even say that there would be no dis- Mr. and Mrs. Smith if this movie hadn't come out. Pritzy's Honor is basically two assassins working for the mob, and then they eventually have to kill each other. Starring Jack Nicholson and... Kathleen Turner. Kathleen Turner, also in it, Angelica Houston. She wins an Oscar for supporting actress in, in her role, uh, a role that was given to her by, by the director of this film, her father. Her daddy. 
Angelica Houston is fine. I don't agree with the nepotism. Uh, I don't either, but she won an Academy like, Award for I it. I don't agree with the Academy's embrace of the nepotism in this. There are far better supporting I believe she ended up but... with Jack Nicholson for a little while after this film. Oh, did they date? Did they I, date? Think, I think they were together for yeah. a little bit after this. That makes sense. I was less than enthused by this movie. As far as t- uh, where we gave it uh, less points, uh, had to do with it being not timeless. It's an incredibly dated film. Uh, it looks dated. The sort of themes in it are kind of dated. Um, Pritzi's Honor is a very good throwback to 1940s, 1950s uh, goofball comedy. Goofball love. Goofball, oh, it's wacky. No, no, no. Goofball uh, rom-coms, if you will. Sure. Okay, so because they're in love with each other, but they can't quite make it, <clears throat> they can't quite make their love work because of the work that they have. Sure, in that famous line that Jack Nicholson has in this movie, I don't know whether I'm going to marry her or if or I'm going to ice her. Yeah. <laughs> it's terrible writing. Ugh. Just l- left and right, I, w- I was cringing through parts of this. I actually thought it was a very uh, cute film. Yeah, it was, uh, meh. It it just didn't land didn't land for me. Well, you're wrong. Nah, it's okay. <laughs> there is something compelling about a crime movie. Uh, there are genuine funny moments in this movie that that did give it an edge in the compelling category. Uh, and you know, well, I, we marked it off legitimately. Marked off in two areas. Yeah, in in um, in compelling and well cast. It does have a monster cast. It's hard to vote against. A Jack Nicholson, Angelica Houston, Kathleen Turner, <laughs> Kathleen Turner, you know, um, as being poorly cast. I have issues with Jack Nicholson's voice in this, but his performances are not bad. No, it's Jack Nicholson. You know, he's just he's making a, a weird choice with his like character's voice. Uh, it normalizes as you watch the movie, but that first couple lines of his, where he's the everyman New York guy. Uh, hey, I just want to go. Yeah, I, I don't go. know what to do here. It's like, whoa, that's Jack Nicholson. I don't. Mm, that doesn't get quite. Pizza. Doesn't quite com- like match your expectation for who Jack Nicholson is in most every other movie. But you know, you know, it, it's fine. So we gave him uh, points, uh, fingers there. Yeah, he's doing his Joe Pesci impersonation. <laughs> he's trying to be like Robert De Niro, yeah, or Joe Pesci. Uh, let's go on to Witness. Harrison Ford. Made me scared as a little boy to go into any bathroom. Kelly McGillis. Yep. McGillis? McGillis. It, it feels like I'm saying the wrong name, even though I like I know that that's right. You know, like the hot lady in Top Gun? Yes. The, um, the, the And problem- the not hot lady from 1987 <laughs> until now? <laughs> the, I'm sorry, that's really oh, mean. Oh, that's fucked up. But it's true. Uh, the- Just like how Weird Science came out this year and Kelly... Uh, Kelly LeBrock mm. was also hot lady in that, oh, and then became not warmers. the hot lady from that until now. Yeah, bad year for Kelly's. It's bad year for Kelly's. Sorry, Kelly's of nineteen eighty mid eighties. Yeah, <laughs> um, yeah. Her name, her name uh, makes me think of Lucille Ball's maiden name in I Love Lucy, McGillicuddy. So I like my brain wants to go there, but but then it stops short with McGillis. Like I'm McGill- did I say? No, nah, it's right? Kelly McGill. Like I'm she only did. I think she. I, I'm pretty sure she only did two major films, which is Witness and Top Gun. She didn't do a lot of. And mm, she didn't do a lot after that. It's disappointing because uh, she's pretty good in both those movies. <laughs> she's fantastic in both of them. You know what I'm saying? Like, why? Why didn't anybody hire her ever again? Well, she did get hired, just not in any of those films from that. That that were that big at the time. She's 
was in some major films at the beginning of her career. Let's talk about Witness. Let's talk about her wonderful work as an Amish lady in Witness. This movie, uh, premise-wise, is uh, quite interesting, but the film itself is really in two parts. There's a shitty 80s cop film. Yes. And then there's Hiding Out with Amish People. That's fantastic. And they both feel like two different movies. They do. But they're meant to feel like two different movies. Yes, two stark realities. But the cop world is so cheesy. (laughs) It's so weird. We were talking uh, before we turned the microphones on a little bit about this. And the way I could uh, describe it is this movie is kind of a like bridge movie between sort of like older filmmaking styles and more modern filmmaking styles in the way that the stories are, are told through cinema. Um, you know, like this, this movie has a very old filmmaking style where like the story ends, he drives off into the sunset credits and you're just like, wait, there's more story that we need to kind of flesh out here. The movie just kind of abruptly feels like it ends too soon. You know, a bunch of the bad guys get shot. The day is saved. He says, peace out credits. You know, it's, it's almost like an old Western at that point. Like it yeah. almost ends like an old Western. He's there to save the small town, as the the sort of renegade cowboy uh, kills the the bad cowboys and then rides off into the sunset, you know. Yeah, and it feels it feels like abrupt. Yeah, you know. And I mean, Danny Glover, um, he he is the bad guy in this. He is, He's but the then bad guy in, in in the color purple and in this film, it was a strong year for him playing a villain this year. And then right after this, he starts becoming, you know. Mr. I'm too go too old for this shit. Right. So so the that kind of cop movie that he's in, the the Lethal Weapon movies, is really great. He does like two years after this. Yeah, like it's it's comedy, so it plays for laughs, but it doesn't have No, the first the first, first Lethal Weapon a, a little was more not serious, was yeah. not a comedy. Um, it had some comedic moments, but it was an action film. Right. Straight up. Uh all right. So Witness. Good scores uh across the board. It uh we agreed on it being compelling. Uh, mostly because of the Amish side of of the story, you really get invested in. Well, it's a compelling story. The merging but I, of the the two worlds. It's a compelling story, but if it was made today, it would be a lifetime movie. <laughs> it would. It would. Or be it a would be. More, it, yeah. would, it wouldn't even. I don't think be on Netflix. the The movie itself feels lifetimey. Uh, so uh, compelling. Uh, we thought it was well cast, uh, and we also thought that this is a movie that you could watch multiple times and um, feel good about watching it. This is also another one of those movies where like if it's on cable and you catch it halfway through and you see those those bonnets and they're raising a barn you're like, "Yeah, I could finish this one." Yeah. So if if we were to stop there, if we weren't to go into our alternates, which we will go into our our, our alternates, uh, clearly we would already be switching the envelope. Uh, out of we'd Africa. We'd be switching the envelope to color purple. The color purple would take the Oscar um, in a in a normal Normal Oscar list. Of yeah, out of the ones that were are only the, only the ones that were nominated that night, and I think that's completely justifiable. With uh, Witness being a runner-up, it's a completely enjoyable movie. Uh, the Color Purple, though, I, I do believe of the list of these movies was the superior film. It holds up against the test of time, but 1985 had a couple other gems, Jeff. Yeah, 1985 had some some of the greatest movies in history. Were uh, produced that year. Yeah, the way the reason why we we're phrasing it this way is because there's a giant caveat on the next two films because they are incredibly good films, but they are also incredibly nostalgic films for both Jeff and I. Yeah, they are also uh, two of them are my favorite thing, favorite films of all time. So we're yeah. gonna see what they score. We'll just run you through them quickly. 
but I think if you've paid attention to these podcasts at all, you'll probably guess where this is about to go. All right, Back to the Future. Timeless? Yes. Absolutely. <laughs> it's all the times, Jeff. <laughs> From 1955 till 2015. Uh, well, 1885, even. Oh, if from 1885. Oh, man, you know what? You got me. You got me. <laughs> um, I usually don't count the third one. Yeah, right. Oh! You know what? Um, it's funny. Because it, it continues the adventure, I don't care how bad a film it is. <laughs> I don't think it's a bad film. The third one? I don't think it's a bad film up until the ending. Yeah, yeah. Look, it's it's got problems, but because it's the characters that I love from the original movie, and they're continuing their their stuff, and there's still tiny wimey stuff, and there's disappearing hands, and you know, there's a hoverboard in in 1885, and you know, the the fun way in which Doc is not building shit to scale still, um, like, I I just I just love being in that universe. Uh, so anyway, moving on past timeless, uh, is it compelling? Fuck yeah, it's yeah, compelling. Um. Uh, you know, it's the best uh, time travel movie until uh, Avengers Endgame. God, that sucked. What? And you just go, go past. Yeah, we're go gonna past. we're gonna move past that statement. Uh, hit up Jeff at Switch Envelope or at Switch the Envelope. Tell him why he's yeah, wrong do about it. Endgame sucking. Do it because the Avengers is a uh, whatever. All right, uh, it's completely well cast. Uh, there is nobody in any of those roles the except for Jennifer one. and uh, George. The first that can be replaced. one. <laughs> No, the first one is absolutely well it's cast. It's perfectly cast, yeah. The first one is absolutely well cast. The rest of them have some big problems. I don't think they're... Uh, the George McFly Number one... Two, George McFly one is, George pretty, McFly is pretty big. is a big the problem. Jennifer one, not Jennifer as big. Pro- not Jennifer as big. is kind of a problem. It's not as big. It's kind of a problem. And then also in two, having everybody being placed, played by Michael J. Fox, could have, they didn't need to do that. Yeah, it gets a little goofy there, where yeah. he's both of his kids, and uh, yeah, they could have had it. They could have well cast. They could have cast it. You know what? Properly, though? when you have a, when you have a gem like Michael J. Fox working, and all the wonderful split it gets screen into special effects, Nutty Professor. It is a little Nutty Professor. It is a little clumps. Yes, <laughs> and I didn't like that. Jeff, does Back to the Future hold up to multiple viewings? I would say so, since I've yeah. watched it like nine billion times. Yeah, I've I watch this series at least once a year. There's a, uh, only once a year. Say at least some some years, you know, I only get around to it once. Uh, most years, it's a few times. I can honestly say I've never just gotten to the series once a year. Really, never. <laughs> you know, it's one of those where, like, as soon as as soon as my kid showed any interest in films, like I was like, all right, well, we're sitting down, we're watching Back to the Future. <laughs> I've seen. I've introduced it young. <laughs> two films when they were young: Back to the Future and The Karate Kid. No, yeah, The Karate Kid. Yeah. Mine, mine was like E.T. and Back to the Future. I, I was oh, like I hate a e. must. I hate E.T. It's weird. <laughs> this is why we have this <laughs> podcast, Jeff, because your opinions on movies are dumbfounding to me sometimes. Why E.T.? E.T. is so weird. We agree on so much, and then there's this, there's these pockets of movies where I'm just like, how do you hate that movie? I don't hate that movie. It's just how weird. are we friends? I don't. It's just a weird movie. Why would you? It's, it's just so weird. E.T. is so fucking weird looking all right if you agree with jeff hit us up on uh, twitter at switch envelope you know, last time we did Instagram that and switch the envelope. we did and people agreed with me oh, so that's their prerogative yeah. jeff uh you can all be wrong together uh and then would you recommend back to the future yes if somebody if i met somebody that had not seen back to the future we would stop whatever we were doing and i would 
uh, I mean, I have it on my phone, so I'd probably just whip out my phone wherever we are. I mean, like, we're watching Back to the Future right now. You just whip it out? Yeah, I would whip it out, uh, and I, I would force them to watch Back to the Future right then and there. That's <laughs> how so much I love this movie, Jeff. Uh, so you, you guessed it, Switches. Um, perfect score. That one got a five. This movie has got such a perfect score that we contemplate in giving it an extra finger. <laughs> <laughs> All right, we we the the coveted sixth finger, All which right. we haven't given yet, but no. we and we will not yet. All right, so the real test here, the movie that has the potential to go up against uh, Back to the Future. We'll see how it fares. The Breakfast Club. It is uh, tonally a much different movie. Uh, hits all of the same nostalgic cues, though, and also happens to be a very well written, well acted. Uh, nice piece of classic cinema. I would actually say that Breakfast Club is much better written. I would say that. Um, well, see, but the Breakfast Club doesn't have to deal. It doesn't with, create a with world. Fake science. Uh, time it doesn't travel create stuff the science. It doesn't create the world of of adventure. The world of uh, sure. this 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 world that you can just immerse yourself in, like Back to the Future. Mm-hmm. But as it comes to being a film, the acting, the writing, uh, the emotions of these these mm-hmm. act these young actors portray. Breakfast Club is uh, holds up to some of the best movies that we have on this list. I would say that it, it's it's a I would call it a an official snub that a movie like The Breakfast Club wouldn't be considered one of the best films of the year. It's definitely better than Pritzi's Honor, Kiss of a Spider Woman, Out of Africa, and Fucking Witness. Well, Out of Africa is a Oscar like they made that film for the Oscars. If you put Robert Redford you know? as the principal in this, and you put <laughs> uh, the other chick with syphilis in this as the yeah. janitor, it would have been Oscar. Intervention. <laughs> it would have been, yeah. Um, now, The Breakfast Club, honestly, is one of the greatest films of all time. Yeah, no, no you, argument you know here. I mean? It, it is. Uh, it's one of the greatest teen films. I, I would say the greatest teen film of all time. Well, because it's the only teen film that actually has substance. Yeah, and and it and it comes at a uh, a bunch of different teen archetypes that I think anybody that watches this film can relate to some angle on this particular film. Uh, as far as as far as timeless goes, the look of this film is incredibly dated. The wardrobe, the sort of like yeah, but it's the a look. It's a but the way they treat sort of teen angst and their storytelling transcends the nineteen eighty. 1980- Sixness of it, or the nineteen eighty five ness of it. Because I was going to say, I don't really think it is dated. Because if you watch the same movies from the same director at the same time, Sixteen Candles and um, the other one with Molly Ringwald, what's it called? Um, <laughs> uh, <laughs> there's Sixteen Candles, and then there's Pretty in Pink. Pretty in Pink. Those look dated, like the the dresses mm-hmm. that they're wearing, the outfits the guys are wearing, the hairdo and stuff. This one is a little less. It's not as well. The costume still feels very like of nineteen eighty five. The hairstyling still do, but like I said, the the themes and the sort of like uh, closed in nature of the story, it doesn't travel into the world a lot. Uh, there's just sort of like the beginning and end where you see sort of outside of their like closed in school world. Um, so it. It focuses more on just character development. Um, is this story compelling? I think we just made a bunch of arguments about why it is compelling. Uh, is this a movie in which you could endure multiple viewings? Absolutely. I think multiple viewings is required. And I think you can feel the same way every time you watch it. 
Yes, absolutely. And you know what? Even like that's part you, of the multiple multiple viewings. Thing. As as you even as you get older, or as you encounter you know new friends that sort of fit parts of this movie um, that you didn't f- ten years, five years prior, it like will unlock um, those newer perspectives that you have as well. But unlike the color purple, when you watch this movie multiple times, it doesn't. It's not a heavy film. It just no. is a. It's still kind of a kind of a fun film. Even though some of the parts of it are a little bit heavier, it's not too heavy where it's like, this is still a fun, fun film to watch. You can say, hey, come over to my house. We're going to watch, watch Breakfast, Breakfast Club. Club. Yeah, and people, people are like, okay, excited, yeah, yeah, yeah. Absolutely. It, it is more popcorn-y than, uh, than The Color Purple, for sure. You know, you can't make out to Color Purple. You can't start hooking up with a girl if Color Purple's on, you know? You might get a, people might get upset with you. Right. You know? But if you're watching, you know... Shitty dads, you can make out. Yeah, but if you're watching Breakfast Fucking Club... Fucking horrible dads, no making out. Breakfast Club, <laughs> definitely make out in front of. Yeah, yeah, you could totally make out. We should have our next finger for the sixth one. Should be can you can you make, make out? out? Yeah. Is this a and chill movie? <laughs> Is this a Netflix and chill movie? Uh, and then Hulu, Hulu and Do You movie? <laughs> Hulu and Do You movie? Uh, Prime and Dine movie? Prime and Ride? No. Prime and Dine. Prime and Dine. All right, that's fine. Got them all covered. Uh, would you recommend this movie? Yeah, yeah you asking yeah, you. We would, yeah, was that would. was that a rhetorical question? <laughs> I was just leaving it hanging. All right. Uh, yeah, absolutely. Like a dangling dangling participle. This is uh, yeah, this is one of those movies where uh, it feels like required teen viewing. You know, like the first time you watch this movie, you have to be like fifteen, sixteen, and somebody introduces you. To the fact that you're not alone. <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? Like somebody older sits you down and is like, look, I know you feel like you're going through some shit. I'm put on a movie. It's going to put on, it's going to give uh, like you some perspective, you know, and makes you feel like, okay. Yeah. You, you know, I, I don't know. It's the way this movie resonates with me. I, I, I feel like it resonates that way with everybody else. I could be wrong. Let me know at Switch Envelope or uh, at Switch the Envelope, Twitter, Instagram, respectively. Um, but yeah, it, it feels like one of those movies that just is uh, is like a movie that you should just put on at a at a time in a young adolescent's life that'll help them sort of cope. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I agree. <laughs> you know what I mean? Uh, all right, so that gives uh, the Breakfast Club also a perfect score. Hmm. So that means we got five for the Breakfast Club and five for Back, Back to, the, to future. the Future. You know what? Normally at this point we would do a rock paper scissors, a rock paper or a rock paper scissors Oscars. Os- rock paper scissors That's Oscar. The, it's the only scientific way to settle a tie. However, because the tie is between Back Back to the Future and Breakfast Club, I think what we're going to have to do is do just give it to Back to the Future. Because based on what? Based on the fact that it's it's Back to the Future. How can we not give it to Back to the Future? <laughs> I mean, it's just because, science. I mean, The Breakfast Club is a like tighter movie. All right, here we go. We're gonna do the rock paper scissors Oscar. It's the only scientific way to settle this. All I right. will do the. I will do it for Breakfast Club. Corby, rock paper scissors scissoring for. Back to the Future. And 
rock, paper, scissors. Oscar. Oh, rock beats scissors. Back to the Future gets a point. All right. Here we go. I'm primed. I didn't stretch, though. I probably should have stretched before this. this. Oh, whatever. This gives me such anxiety, Jeff. All right, ready? Rock, Rock paper, scissors, scissors Oscar. Ooh. Ooh. Okay. Two scissors. Two scissors. We're okay. Rock, Rock paper, scissors, scissors Oscar. Oscar. All right. Paper beats my rock. Fuck. <laughs> Fuck. Fuck. All right. Breakfast Club Breakfast gets a point. Club wins. Here we go. Rock, Rock paper, scissors, scissors Oscar. Oh. Jesus Christ, Jeff. Paper covers my rock. You know... you. You know, last time we, we played Rock, Paper, Scissors, you're like, everybody picks rock, just pick rock. Now I'm picking rock, and you're not picking rock, and it's pissing me <laughs> off. All right, so All right. Breakfast Club up two to one. Here we go. Ready? Rock, rock paper, paper, scissors, scissors Oscar. Hi, ah, you picked rock, you motherfucker. I got you. Primed you. I picked paper. All right, All right. here we go. We're tied. All tied up. Oh, my God, I'm sweating. Okay, this I'm, is I'm getting, it's down to this one. It's down to this one. I'm getting the sweats, Jeff. Oh. Okay, ready? Rock, Rock paper, scissors, scissors Oscar. Oscar. Yes! Yes! Okay, scissors, like... cut your paper. Woo! Woo! Back to the Future wins. I love, I love this game. I hate this game. I love this game. Okay, Back to the Future wins. Uh, so we're going to switch the envelope to oh, Back to the Future. Up. Oh, that's right. Go over to uh, Robert Redford's house, steal his Oscar. I'm sure he was a producer on that film, probably. And, uh, I think uh, it was Sidney Pollack, wasn't it? Probably. Uh, go, go take it directly over to um, Robert, Zemeckis, Robert Zemeckis and uh, Steven Spielberg over there at the uh, Oscars. Uh, you know, screw them. Give it to, uh, give give it to, to Michael J. Fox. Yeah, you know what? Fuck no, it. No, no, screw all of them. Give it to, uh, yeah, Doc. Yeah, give it to Christopher Lloyd. <laughs> yes. He deserves to hold on to this one. Because he's our, our shining hero through all of it. Yes. Uh, Christopher 71-year-old man who hung out with a 17-year-old kid. Yeah, it's a little weird, but we're going to shine over that. Back to the Future. Look, I know people are going to be mad about this, but fuck you. Back to the Future was the only way. It was the only winner that could have ever happened from films of 1985 in 1986. Back to the Future, congratulations. You are now the Oscar winner for Best Picture of 1986. Awesome. <laughs> I'm so happy about that. All right, so there's only one more thing to do, right? Oh, that's right. We got to dedicate this podcast. So, I think the only thing we can do is dedicate this podcast to the one, the only, the actor that gave us the greatest character, Doc Brown, Christopher Lloyd. Oh, it's a great dedication. Christopher Lloyd, we celebrate you and we honor you with your great work even as back as far back as taxi we loved what you did yes he's uh he's one where when he shows up in a movie even if the movie is terrible you go eh, i'll enjoy this part <laughs> i wish i actually wish i saw him more because christopher lloyd is fantastic you know um you you do have to dig he, he does some some movies where there's like real acting going on and it always surprised me because he'll always be Doc Brown to me. <laughs> well, you know what's weird? I was watching, uh, speaking of like, you know, characters from that movie, I was watching Hot Tub Time Machine because you and I were talking about mm-hmm. it on the, on the podcast from like a couple of, year, couple of months ago. Mm-hmm. And I, Crispin Glover's in that movie. 
in the first one. Yeah, that's right. And I was just watching it, and he does a great part. Yeah, he's, he's guy the guy without a hand. Yeah, the hand. Well, yeah. he has a hand for most of the well, time. Well, yeah, because when they go back, he has the hand, and it's always like, where's he going to lose it? Yeah, <laughs> and you know they spend all the time in the 80s. Yeah. <laughs> and I was like, this is, and it just dawned on me, I'm like, Crispin Glover is doing another 80s time travel movie. Yes. I'm like, this is hilarious. Oh, by the way, future list episode, top 20 time travel movies. That would be a great one. Uh, I think that's coming so up we've soon. Got, We've got, wait, you promised me to do the top 20 Westerns. You promised, yep. man. Top 20 Westerns. promised. I mean, we got a lot of top 20s that we got to get through. We top, do 20 top 20 Westerns. Westerns top, top 20 teen movies. Teen movies. Top, top 20, 20 time, time travel. travel I feel like top, top 20 time travel would be the best one. I feel like we're going to fight a lot in that one, though. The time travel movies? I feel like we're going to be completely aligned. <laughs> but you already said Avengers is going to be one of your fa- favorite. Uh, I'm saying that they handle time travel well, but it doesn't necessarily top... I mean, it, it'll probably be in the in my top twenty, but it, I'm I'm okay with it not, you know, being super high. Okay, maybe we can do that next. Ooh, next week, look out for top twenty time travel time travel movies. We're gonna have to get a good guess for that. Mm-hmm. Let's be thinking about that. Yeah, yeah, we'll put our our minds together and see what we can come up with. Did the music uh, already start playing? It, I think it did. Out? Yeah, we need to say uh, go listen to us wherever <laughs> podcasts are are uh, you know are stored. <laughs> iTunes, Spotify, tell your friends, uh, rate and review us. That that, that helps. Uh, hit us up on We're Twitter. We're on SoundCloud, but we don't have anything linked yeah, up there except fine. for our except for our trailer, and uh, which just tells you to go to the Apple Podcasts or Spotify Podcasts, where you can find our entire episodes. And yeah, or you can always go to switchtheenvelope.com, Listen to all of the episodes there. There are easy click buttons to subscribe to your favorite uh, podcast provider at the top, uh, so you can click those or just listen straight from our website. Uh, hit us up on Instagram at Switch the Envelope or on our Twitter at Switch the Envelope to uh, comment on anything you heard today that you hated, you loved, or, or that you'd like to suggest for us to talk about on future episodes. Because most of all, this is a conversation. We don't want you just to be lecturing at you people out there. <laughs> we want you to hit us up. So definitely make this a conversation and talk with us. All right. Enjoy uh, your your time watching movies, and we'll see you later, Switch. We really got to work on that sign-off. Dude, you're sweet. You're, it was great. So, Just see you later, switches. See you later, switches. Love it. We're already we're already signed out. I yeah. signed us out a while ago. Yeah, the the music is real loud right now. Yeah. <laughs>